0: Hello, and thank you for joining in on today's episode. If you are brand new, thank you for swinging by and checking us out. We definitely have a passion for helping you live your life fully alive. If you are new or you've been listening the last three seasons, I would love it if you could rate or review us or share an episode with a friend. It's how we get to help more people live their life fully alive. In today's episode, I am super excited about It is one that I've been wanting to bring you for a while. I am very passionate about this topic, and I know I have not dropped an episode in quite some time. I just got back from Belize, spent the last three months there, which was an amazing experience. Um, However, life has its own plan of what it thinks you should and should not do. My winters are usually a time where I can focus on creativity, pour into this podcast. Um, I'm busy writing my second book and that was supposed to be completed. And this winter was actually about injury and recovery. So that is what happened there, but I am excited to be back and dive in to help you live your life fully alive. And today's episode is focused on first responders. And the reason this is near and dear to my heart is a career ago, um, my background is in law enforcement. I served crime victims in three different metropolitan police departments in Denver. And while I was serving crime victims, I also was able to serve first responders and provide debriefings and coordinating different debriefings because of what I saw first responders going, going through. Rather, it was one traumatic event or several days of experiencing and serving their community. And so I feel like first responders are often not thanked or we don't really see what goes on behind the scenes, what happens when they are off duty, right? We see sometimes when they're on duty, and we don't get to see behind the scenes. And that to me is where this show was so important is because we don't get to see and how people learn to cope is not always the best. And especially over the last few years with COVID and the additional pressure of what all of us experienced with COVID is just one that one more stressor. And so I, when I think about first responders, think about When you finally find that perfect career, right? That thing like that's your calling, that place where you feel totally alive, but that same thing that made you feel totally alive has maybe caused you harm emotionally, psychologically, or physically. And in today's episode, I'm going to be bringing my dear, dear friend and first responder who experienced just that in his life. See, first responders never know what a day on the job is going to look like. And also many are not prepared for what years of service will ultimately cost them. While they often deal with dangerous and life-threatening situations, the trauma and emotional stress that comes with their day-to-day life can take a toll on their mental health and physical health. So what I've learned is while they are taught how to learn how to use tools to save others' lives, they're rarely given the tools on how to cope with the stress of the job or save their own life when faced with thoughts of not wanting to live anymore. In this episode... Luis Martinez demonstrates courage, not by putting on a uniform and fighting a fire today, but by stepping into this space for you to share how he had to ask for help to learn to live his life alive again. He shares how hard it is for first responders to cope with the events that take place. He's going to share some techniques that he learned to help him cope. And he's also going to share why it's so hard for first responders to reach out and ask for help. Luis is a Denver firefighter technician, retired with over 28 years in the fire service and 33 years in EMS. He recently completed his master's of science and organizational leadership at Regis University. Go, Luis. And he is also teaching fire safety in Denver and moving forward in his career with fire safety through other departments. He's also a father of three, and he enjoys while he's off-duty rock climbing, hiking, motorcycle riding, and reading. So tune in to better understand the mind of a first responder and techniques that may help you, a friend or a loved one live on the other side of suffering because it is possible. Welcome to the show, Louise.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: I'm so excited to have Louise on the show today. I wish this was video because my face is like super happy to spend this time with Luis. He's one of my best, best friends in the whole world. We actually met 28 years ago when we were just babies. He was actually working as a bailiff in um, a municipal court. And I was serving as a victim advocate to help crime victims And we were just really good at harassing each other and became really great friends. So from that time, we've been through a lot and kept in touch. And I asked Luis to be on this show today because I believe he has such an amazing story to share and hopefully he will help some listeners out. And if you're listening to the show and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this person really needs to hear this, please forward this on um, because it's just about helping other people live their life fully alive. And so Luis, I'm just going to let you take it away. And the reason I actually asked Luis to be on is because he said something. He said, I'm actually at a place now, I'm feeling like I'm living my life alive again. And I said, Wait, there was a time you weren't. And I want to hear about the whole experience of this. And so, obviously, when we met, we were in our 20s and having fun. And we were super excited to, you know, jump into our careers and start living our life. And then all of a sudden, wow, 28 years later and look at the process it has been to just find our way to live our life fully alive so I know when we met you were living your life and feeling like you were living totally fully alive and so was I and so give me the rundown of what happened and the history of what happened next
1: well um thank you for having me on autumn I really appreciate it I I agree with all those great things about us being young and having a good time so uh I I uh, also agree that we've been great friends and uh, absolutely love you too, my friends. So thank you for that. So yeah, when we first met, we were both quite on fire to go and serve and help others. And uh, I wanted to be a a firefighter as you knew, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I was testing everywhere. And uh, it was a very competitive process. And, you know, at the time I didn't really care because I was like, you know, it's it's what I want to do. I want to serve and help others. And uh, I was had this huge passion to, to just serve and help others. And when I got into it, that's all I wanted to do. I, you know, you knew that I started as a volunteer and uh, it was a big commitment to both financially and time-wise, you have to spend all this time getting in there and doing all the work to get your certifications. And then I finally get hired after five years of testing and get to a, a, a great department, Denver Fire Department. I'm at a busy house seeing lots of lots of action. It was fun at first. And somewhere along the way, you know, something you see one too many calls that are too impactful, as you might know and understand with your victim advocate experience. And, you know, you, you kind of just end up in a place where you don't really realize you wanted to be. You figure out that uh, uh, you're, you're a little bitter and you're not as happy as you once were when I was, you know, 20, in my early 20s, starting as a firefighter and doing EMT work. Uh, in high school, and so you, you, you know, I started, ended up, ending up having some nightmares and some dreams, and uh, it got me to a place that I never thought I would ever be. I thought if I worked out and I and I stayed focused on my on my goals and my dreams, that I wouldn't ever be to a place where I'd be damaged or hurt from the fire service or serving others. But yeah, that's kind of how I ended up um, in the situation that I'm in now, I guess, which is being had some figured out that I have some PTSD and, and they went even further and decided I have complex post-traumatic stress, which is issues relating back to my childhood. And that was all kind of extracted when I went and sought help at a facility in California called First Responder Wellness. And they were an organization solely based on helping and serving first responders, military, and those who serve others. So came at it from a totally different perspective of of helping and serving those who serve others. And they were able to really tap into what we needed as first responders. There were some really positive things that I experienced while I was there. And uh, simple things such as breath work, simple things as group therapy, uh, yoga, art therapy, Um, uh, getting out and doing physical things of course Uh, as a firefighter I love doing physical things but you know learning how to breathe that was an issue that uh, most of us wouldn't have thought that we could would make such a positive impact in in changing the narrative in my head um
0: well, I think One that's the- enough. I'm so glad. I want to back up really quick because I think you're bringing up really important points. First of sure. all, um, the post-traumatic stress disorder, most people don't realize this, and I didn't even know about this until I started learning how to um, work with first responders and help first responders through critical incidences um, such as Columbine and after we you know, worked Columbine. Then you know we started learning more and more about first responders, and you know nobody focused on first responders. The focus was always on the people we're serving right we didn't you know we right. knew first responders were affected, but nobody ever talked about it right and so um, what we actually learned is that firefighters, after serving twenty years, has the same or even more severe post traumatic stress disorder as Vietnam vets, and we know that we are we're not even great at taking care of our vets yet, you know, and so um, I think it's funny that 28 years later, we're sitting here talking about breath work and yoga. Like, can you imagine 28 years ago, somebody like, even after a critical incident, when you were 25, if somebody said, we're going to teach you how, like some breath work, like it's so pushed away. Like, don't talk to me about that. That's BS. Like there's manly ways, you know, and I'm not saying this, obviously it's,
1: <laughs> there's a lot of cooler ways to
0: deal with stress than go in and do some breathing work. You know? And I think, I mean, it'd be awesome if we we're all taught this in high school. So whatever career we go into or whatever child makes us upset or whatever it is. We know how to deal with stress, but, um, can you imagine actually having this conversation 28 years ago? And I hope that if you're young and you're listening, that you really do know that these techniques work because regardless of who I've had on a guest on this podcast, every single person brings up being present and breath work. Like it doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter what their experience has been. That's just a primary thing. It's just so simple. People don't believe in it.
1: Right. That's, that's really good information. Uh, um, You got to pay for
0: it, you know, that's the thing, you you get it. Imagine, imagine just being free in high school or something, but before you learn these techniques, tell us how you did cope for 28 years through this process. I mean, or um, as a firefighter, tell us, you know, some of the stuff you were dealing with and the ways you were choosing to cope.
1: Yeah. So initially it was, it was pretty healthy. I was doing exercise and so I would, go out and run go do lift lifting weights all that kind of good stuff but then after a while I started to cope negatively as most fire police and military personnel do and that was by by drinking so uh, I started drinking a lot more and I would started drinking so that I could pass out to uh, not have nightmares and flashbacks so It worked for a while, but then you build up the tolerance to drinking, and then you eventually have to drink more, and it doesn't help. So then you're adding more uh, medical uh, (laughs) pharmaceutical items to your repertoire to sleep. So uh, I finally got to a place where, like, I don't, I don't want to live like that anymore, and uh, got into a little bit of trouble at work through drinking as well. It essentially ended my career, and all because I couldn't deal with some of my nightmares and dreams. And so, you know, you were talking about how breathing and, and being present are kind of simple. Well, if, while, we, while I was in California, some of the guys would say, man, this, this stuff's really hippy-dippy stuff. And, and it is doing yoga and breathing and just being present. Those are simple things, changing the narrative in our heads, such simple things. But one of the things that they said over and over was when, you're, when you go mountain climbing, you don't trip over the huge Obstacle that is the mountain. You trip over the small little pebbles and rocks on your way up. And so, you know, you had said earlier that these, you know, these family solutions. Well, big problems don't usually garner great solutions. They're they're usually simple. Um, and changing your narrative, being present, breathing, yoga, those all really did help, and they're simple.
0: Simple is different than easy because it is simple. It's just like, oh my gosh, it's so simple. It's you know. Kind of easy to do it and it's kind of easy to not do it but if it was easy we'd all be doing it it's just we didn't learn you know we didn't know how to be present and we don't know the tools to be present like it's easy to say okay be present and your mind races right out the room or breathe and you stop breathing like you know it's just it, these techniques have to be taught and if we if we're not taught them how are we supposed to know
1: yeah right absolutely so the you know some of the techniques that I learned were were pretty simple as uh, five four three two one. You pick out five visual things in the room. You 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 feel four different things in the room. You taste different things in the room. Uh, you you hear, so you go down and so that works on being present. Things like just taking off your shoes and and putting your feet, you know, in the sand, if you're lucky enough to be by the sand or uh in, in the grass or just on the outside, you know, dirt that can offer a lot of more grounding and ability to be present as opposed to just in this wallowing kind of depression or anxiety. Yes. Um, and
0: I think that depression, anxiety shows up in so many different ways, you know, through our life, whether it's at work or we take it home or with friends. But I do want to talk about the narrative because I think that's really important is that the narrative that you were telling yourself during this time was what, and what is it now? Why is that such an important part of you, you know, your recovery and really living your life alive?
1: So one of the biggest things that really struck me, um, I mean, just plain as day, was how nearly 100% of us there at First Responder Wellness were all experiencing some type of um, horrible self-narrative, na- uh, whether we, we said, oh, a good cop wouldn't get in trouble, a good firefighter wouldn't get in trouble, a good firefighter would be stronger, a good cop would be stronger. And we we totally told ourselves these these lies. And so instead of having a positive narrative in our head, like we do when we run a call, like when I say, I don't tell myself during the call, I'm going to fail. During the call, I tell myself, I am capable of mitigating this call and performing well. What we do is we always go back and second guess ourselves. And then we ended up just giving ourselves a huge negativity. It's just this huge negative thought all day long. Mm-hmm. So for me, Adam, one of the breathworks guys, kind of a, some might say he's kind of a hippie. He says, you know, I didn't have a very loving father. My father uh, wasn't somebody I really looked up to. So I changed my narrative and I said, I'm going to create this narrative, of a loving father. So mm-hmm. it instantly made me think of my grandfather who was very loving, very close to me. And I he used to speak Spanish to me. So He is in my head now telling me positive things as opposed to my negative narrative saying that I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a good enough father. So I I actually imagine his voice in my head. And then I can tell myself things that I am doing the best I can. I am a good man. I am a good father. Um, I can look at my accomplishments. Um, So yeah, changing my narrative in my own head was huge. And they, they told us, they discussed that in groups, how we need to address how that's really controlling our life.
0: And um, I think that's, it's such a good tool that you brought up because we talk about self-talk and um, I love the book, The Power of Self-Talk by Shad Helmstetter, who's really the guy that actually coined the term self-talk is that it's really trying to get us To talk to ourselves in a positive voice. And there's tons of tools and different ways to do that. And we can cover that in a different show. But to me, it's a little bit harder to start believing my own voice. And, you know, I can record on the phone and say, Autumn, you're amazing. You're great at what you do, you know, and I can hear that, but until I really believe it. But I love that tool that you can bring in somebody like your grandfather that believed in you and you hear his voice, because immediately it's calming. I, I feel like self talk is still something it's, it's a work in progress, you know, to actually believe my voice or believe my own thoughts, but Mm -hmm. that immediately that person that loved you or believed in you is immediately calming. And I see how that could be, is such a great tool.
1: Yeah. I was, I thought about um, how, you know, we need to include in our lives, the, the people who have positive um, images and positive responses and positive interactions like you, Autumn, like you and I, we, we have positive interactions. So a lot of times when I hear your voice, uh, if I think about you or, you know, Hey, how's my friend autumn? It's in that voice where, you know, it's positive, it's engaging, it's fun, it's light, um, it's youthful. And so I, I, I try to extract that from all the positive people in my life. Right. So that I can use that as opposed to that negativity that, you know, that person that said I might be, uh, I don't know, not bright enough or something. And I carry that with me the rest of the day, as opposed to all the people that, that were positive and so uh, more interacting with me in a positive nature. Um, so yeah, I, I agree that you know changing and controlling that narrative is huge for a good, better life. And so what's your narrative now? How has it changed? So the narrative now is that I, I'm a good man. And I've done the best that I could with all of the things that I've done in my life. Um, I used to be hard about on myself because I thought you know I could have been uh maybe a physician or an attorney or both, or I could have been farther if I had more money or um, but i look at I look at my life as I'm proud of where I am because I've accomplished so much, and that narrative is that I have to be good to myself because I'm the only Person that I have to live with. <laughs> yeah. Just myself. So
0: Can't get rid of it very easy.
1: No. So,
0: and it's funny, um, the narratives we tell ourselves like, the narrative says a doctor or a lawyer is further than a firefighter. Like, that's exactly. like the own narrative in itself. It's like, who exactly. says that? So, you know, in public right. service is sometimes, you know, you get thank yous, but, you know, anytime you're serving the public, a lot of times it's a very thankless job or you get, you know, sometimes you hear a lot of the, Negative things that people say over the positive things. You know, people might be really happy with you one day, but somebody files a complaint or somebody's upset about right. whatever. And for some reason, right. we carry those things around with us right. so much more. And I don't know why we do that, but we do it. And it's just to focus on those people that you make a difference and really hold those up as part of that narrative, too, is that, yeah, I got this card because I did change that person's life or because I was kind, it affected this family this way. You know, we right. have to try to keep those thoughts in the front. Versus the thoughts that seemed screaming at us from people that were upset.
1: Right, you 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 said it perfectly, my friend. Like because you've been in those trenches with me, suffering some of those uh, experiences. You know that what we saw at Columbine was was some heavy stuff, um, and and what we experienced, what you experienced from all of those people, uh, you know, those families talking about lost people, and uh, but yeah, we're able to look at the people we have impacted, and I have impacted a lot of people positively. I was good at my job. And you're right, not everybody can do what I did or do what first responders do. And yet there I was, I did it. And I live to tell about it. That's right. Um, And uh, now I get to pass on some of my knowledge to others who might be hurting in in a place where they don't feel that they're never going to feel happy again. I, I, I had what we call the it was called anhedonia, which was uh, just the complete loss of pleasure. Like nothing really gave me pleasure. And um, that was scary because I, was, I felt closer to death than I ever have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very um, and a scary. Lot of, Yeah. A lot of my brothers and sisters in the program were, came in the exact same way, just completely suffering. You know, that program really changed my life. There's, well, it takes
0: courage to reach out to a program like that and go through that process. And it takes courage to say, okay, not only did it help me, but now I want to help other people. And that's the the guest I always have on the show where people not, that are not only figured out how to live their life fully alive, but they're making, you know, they're lighting the path for other people. And because I just believe that takes courage. And I believe so much in the ripple effect of, you know, when we get that nudge to, to rather to live our own life alive, and we follow those nudges to be able to really help other people. I'm just So proud of you. And I know it just takes a lot of courage, and you've had to do a lot of work. And it is work, you know? And sometimes people just don't want to do the work, and it's work. This episode has been brought to you by Autumn Shields as an independent consultant with Arbon International, where healthy living is made simple. Arbon, as a company, believes in a holistic approach to beauty, health, and wellness. Autumn can coach you on your healthy living journey to look and feel your best. Have you been thinking about starting your own business? Autumn can mentor you in starting your own online health and wellness business with Arbon visit autumnshields.com to learn more I know this show today is about first responders and that's the focus but you know trauma comes from all other places just like we said about this childhood or something else that's happened and the path is very similar you know for a lot of us we go through coping mechanisms that might not be healthy or it affects our relationships or you know we can't sleep and I all the things that go into that, but you know, rather you've suffered and you're still like, I need to reach out to somebody, please reach out. In the description we will list some places that you can reach out to. And of course, you can always reach out to me and Luis's um, email will be there. So once you actually got to that place where you felt closer to death and you had the courage and found this program, which I'm so glad they have programs out there like that, when did you start feeling like, oh my gosh, like I have hope again. And what is that feeling like, like to live your life alive again? like, what does it feel like now today?
1: Thank you for the con- commending me on the courage to go. That was, it was definitely harder to do that than it was to run into a hundred burning buildings. Um, I've always said that, that that was harder to do. Yes. Um, and so as soon as I was there, I, I still felt like nothing was going to help. It took about a good, uh, week and a half, almost two weeks and it was one of the things that made the greatest impact uh, as well was uh, the fifth or sixth um, attempt at uh, antidepressants. One of them finally worked, and that really helped get me to a basic level of just being able to deal and cope with things. And then after about two weeks of being there, Uh, working every day, practicing on how to breathe. You don't really know that you're practicing, but you are. And then being able to, when I was able to breathe through an experience where two of my coworkers, a great friend in one case, died on scene and we had to do CPR uh, on them. Mm -hmm. I could never, yeah, thank you, Adam. I could never get through those experiences without crying or having a really negative emotional response. And I was, I was taught how to get through that just by breathing. And I did it there while in California at the, at the, the program. And I felt so powerful that I took that power back that my trauma didn't define me. It didn't control me. And for so much of my life, it did, it did control me. It did define me. Um, Mm-hmm. that was That was huge when I was able to kind of let that go
0: um, you 're not letting that- the experience go you 're not letting your feelings go you 're not letting that experience not happen or erase it it 's still there and it 's still very real it 's just learning those emotional reactions to where and how it affects your everyday living. so I think sometimes people are scared to go down this beca- this road because they don 't want to erase or they don't want it to, you know it's a, it becomes an identity or, you know, of what happened, rather it's that trauma or a loss. And I think it's so scary to people because they don't like, well, what if I let go of this? It's, it's not, it doesn't change. It's always going to be there. It happened.
1: Right. That and so, uh, yeah, so it feels different. Yeah. So it it doesn't erase what happened and it doesn't stop what happened. It just allows me the ability to control my emotions and it not control me. So I wouldn't wake up in the middle of the night screaming, um, and, and then have to calm down for like four hours. Now, if I wake up, uh, with a bad dream, I can, you know, it might only take me 10 or 20 minutes to breathe through my, my stuff. And then I'm, I'm good. I go right back to bed.
0: Yeah. Um, That's a big thing. That's, that's a huge, huge thing.
1: Yeah. And so it, all of those experiences, both good and bad, shape me into the person that I am today and I'm I'm proud that of the fact that I ran a great scene when I was a firefighter. Um I was never, you know, I never ran away from a scene like I just can't figure this out and mm-hmm. I, I never quit. So I can look back and say that all of those experiences shaped me to be a really effective good firefighter. So I look back now and I I I embrace it that like I made it through that. And I also look at it as a legacy to the to my my brothers and sisters who have died by either suicide or um, you know being killed on the job in the line of duty but you and I have both been impacted by suicide mm-hmm. in, in first responders um, and you know this is what we're trying to settle and solve and help and address is is suicide and help with first responders and how do we get there yeah how do we how do we how do we ask for help? Well, it's we gotta ask people that are close to us. You can ask me, you can ask you. Mm-hmm. We can get we can get you to the places where you know you can start getting help, but it it does take a ton of courage to ask. And we say out there in California during the program that it's the five, five ton telephone that you have to pick up. And everybody who called us for help, everybody who asked us to solve their problems. Now we got to pick that phone up and ask, um, but Very hard to do. Yep. But it's yes, so it worth is. it because
0: on the other side of this, how do you know now that you're living your life alive? What things are you doing and experiencing and seeing that, you know, like I'm on the other side?
1: Well, some of the things that, that are, that I'm doing to be living more alive is, you know, listening to the nudges as you would say in your book about, uh, where Where should I be going? What should I be doing? and I think one of the biggest things for me is just addressing how do I love myself? How do I provide the best self love for myself and still live the most alive i can and so for me, right now, that is switching a career i got to switch careers from what I used to do in the fire service going to go teach now um, but it 's also allowing myself to go have fun, go be that, that kid, that inner child where I, yeah. I, if I wanted to go learn how to play the piano and I couldn't afford, afford it then, well, now I can now what's stopping me, but nothing but myself.
0: Mm-hmm. So and having fun with like this again. It's, I mean, it's just, yeah. Why do we not have, why do we not have fun? And I think the scary part to me is that so many people don't realize the situation they're in. They don't realize that they're not living their life fully alive. They're just going through the routine and getting the next day or getting to the next, you know, I have to go to carpool line. I have to get to work on time. I have to, and they're just going and going and not realizing it. And they're not breathing. You know, they're, they're barely breathing. They're just not functioning, but they're just getting through the day. And for whatever reason. And when all of a sudden you realize, okay, this is a bad place. And once you start experiencing, I know from me, and um, I know it's sometimes scary or doom and gloom, or, you know, to talk about like the doom and gloom side of it, but it is important because we want to have people realize like, okay, if this is what you're experiencing, it's worth reaching out. But on the other side of it, I think it's really important to highlight what it feels like to get to this other side of living your life alive. And that's why I know I wrote the book about it. And to help people come over that bridge because I didn't realize I wasn't living my life fully alive. And I remember the first time I was sitting in Maui, Hawaii on a mountain and I caught my breath. And I know it sounds funny, but I went <laughs> like deep breath. And I remember thinking, I don't remember ever breathing like that for years. Like I just took short little breaths. And that's how I just got through my day. I was just holding my breath literally to get through life. And I never took a deep breath because I thought I felt like I was going to lose it, like totally lose it. I just remember taking that breath and I was thinking, oh my gosh, like this is the craziest feeling. Like, why is it crazy to feel like I'm breathing again? And then I remember like driving down the road and smiling for no reason and just me being so happy with myself, like just driving down a road, I would just have instant tears of joy. And I remember thinking, that's so amazing. And then I I remember hearing my friends laugh and I remember thinking, I wonder when the last time I really laughed, like deep gutted laugh, like not faked it socially, but like really laughed. And I remember thinking, (laughs) I don't know. Cause I would hear them and think that's different than how I laugh. And so you just keep kind of going through it, you know, but to me on the other side of it you have to start, you know, start celebrating those little tiny things that you notice about your body like getting through, you know, um, after a dream, that's a big shift in life. You know, that's a huge, big step and shift in life, but also just the little things like, wow, I can go out and laugh and not drink, or I can, you know, go scuba diving if I want to, and just go have fun for the day and just start enjoying that again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't think that I deserved any type of, of love because I kept, I was so hard on myself saying, you know, a good firefighter would have never have let, uh, you know, this guy die or this, this patient should have lived if I was a better EMS firefighter guy. And so, yeah, you're constantly just telling yourself these bad things. Um, and then you realize that one day you're just, you're not as alive as you were. And that's because you, you told yourself over and over and over again that you're, you're not worth living. You you don't deserve to live, and so you have to. It, it takes practice to to learn how to be alive, and I, I think that's why you write the book, right? Is so to to remind people what to do, how to do it, and it's not easy. Um, it it like you said, it might be simple, but it's not easy. I, I really like that, um, and it does take practice. And, and I, I joked out there in California, I'm like what do you mean breathing techniques are going to help me get through my stress? I'm like, I breathe every damn day. How's that going to help me? But you know, and the way we do it, the technique of it is what makes it work. Uh, so, you know, Kimberly Lou, one of the, uh, uh, an author that, uh, she did our breath works. She has an, a, an incredible story, much like yours too, Autumn, but you know, she, she really had us, just breathing like all we did was just breathe and listen to music and it just decimated an entire group of first responders and big old tough people into you know you know crying sensitive open people yeah so it, it was just from breathing and music
0: I know, isn't so, that funny? I mean, you think it's going to be like years of therapy and all these things, that I'm not dining therapy. There's <laughs> a place in all of this for sure, but um, right. it is funny. Just, I just wish we were taught all these things early on, and so we can teach our children how to get through the day or how to get through a stressful situation. Is you know, breathe. You know, we have all these things. Like, what do we, what do we teach our children of how to deal with stress and or how to deal mm-hmm. with trauma that they experience and It's like, if we can just teach people to do these things that it's worth it. And I know it sounds silly. I mean, you can literally YouTube breath work and it's right there for you, but I'm glad you keep mentioning it because it is, it is one of those things that is life changing. You think really, but I love it because it's free. Most oxygen is free these days. (laughs) And so regardless of where you're at in the world, it's free, you know, just to be able to use that and spend that time. And I think it is about self-love too, that you take the time to do it and you make yourself a priority in that. And I'm glad that you brought up worth because, you know, until we believe that we're worth we're worthy of love, you know, we don't, it's, it's even hard to give love. And I believe that's really living your life alive is when you're yep. able to give and receive love. That's like, yep. to me, the highest point of life is experiencing both of those things.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I think that's the other benefit of, of what we're doing right now, right? Talking about the issue, getting it out there, getting the information out so people understand that um you know these problems can be mitigated they can be overcome um is it is it easy no um it was it was tough work for me and the the rest of my brothers and sisters out there that were still doing work um but uh, at least it's a it's 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 an ability to go and see if you how much you can improve because you will improve it's just how much so talking about it, changing our narrative, self-love, all of those kind of techniques are, are what we need to keep doing to keep staying alive.
0: That's awesome. I'm so happy. There's the center there. So again, we'll put the, um, in the notes of the podcast, we'll put the link to this specific center in California. So if anybody wants to reach out to them directly that they can, I just am so thankful that more and more recognition is coming about this because, we don't take good care of our first responders and we don't know and it's because we just don't really know how. Now we're learning more and more of how to take care of each other and ourselves. So so glad that you've had the courage to do this and share today. I'm still I'm so thankful that you're in my life and such a good friend after all these years. I'm so glad to see you on the other side of this and just thank you again for paving the way and lighting the path for others.
1: Well, thank you, Autumn. I, I as you were talking there I could think back to a moment where I heard you make that uh, very, very loud laugh that very few people probably heard. Um, I'm I'm (laughs) glad I was able to remember it and hear it and and recall it in my mind. Um, Yes. But thank you for having me on, Autumn. Uh, I love you as well very much. I'm glad to be your friend of so many years. And uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. And uh, again, thank you so much. I love you very much, my
0: Yes, love you too. Thanks, Louise. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in on today's episode. And again, if you know somebody that is maybe struggling whether their first responder military or someone else please um afford them this show we appreciate it everybody have a great day see ya. thanks thank you for joining us and i hope you enjoy today's show and remember good friends don't keep great messages to themselves so keep the ripples moving and share this episode with your friends also wherever you listen to podcasts please take a moment to review or download this episode Also, I would love to connect with you. Regardless of where you're at on your journey, maybe you're feeling like you can't set sail or maybe you're out there rocking the open seas. Find me at autumnshields.com or on social and say hello. Also, if you would like a complimentary coaching sesh, all you have to do is click on Let's Connect and let me know three things you would like to get out of the conversation and we will make it happen. So make today the day you decide to live your life alive and leave room for the unimaginable. So until next time, keep following the nudges.